Hello, friends. I'm your host, Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. Here, I'll discuss the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. I want each episode to leave you feeling validated, empowered, and oh so radical. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. This episode is sponsored by Stepmom Magazine, and if you haven't read it yet, you don't know what you're missing. It's actually the first resource I found, and Stepmoms, believe me when I tell you, it was a game changer for how I navigate this role. Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication, and each issue is packed with articles from therapists and stepfamily experts who know exactly what you're going through and what to do about it, because they're stepmoms too. When you subscribe, you'll get access to a private group forum where you can talk with other stepmoms from around the world, and they also offer eBooks on specific topics like disengaging, being a full-time stepmom, parental alienation, and so much more. They're all available to download right now. I subscribed years ago, and it was exactly what I needed to feel less alone and more supported. To join, head to stepmommagazine.com and use code RADICAL20 to save 20%. If you love it as much as I do, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. I love hearing from you. Again, that's stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save 20%. Hello, welcome to Radical Stepmoms. This is Christina. I am chatting with Kelly today. Kelly is a fellow social worker and also writes for Stepmom Magazine. So hello, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I love that we can connect um, in several different ways and that the stepmom platforms are able to like work together and like, you know, um, network. I love that. So um, Kelly, I, there are several things that I want to chat with you about, and I think my listeners would really benefit from, um, but I just kind of want to start out with hearing a little bit about you and your story and how you became a stepmom and all of those things. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm Kelly and I, um, I live in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So, um, that is above Wisconsin. So I have a couple hours north of my hometown of Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. Um, the reason I'm up here is because of my husband. <laughs> it is beautiful up here though. Um, it's, it's a great place to live and be. Um, but yeah, so I met my husband. Um, gosh, now I have to calculate and I'm not great at math. That's why I became a social worker. <laughs> Through that girl. I hear you. <laughs> um, so I met him in, in 2010. And so I was, um, had just turned 26 and, uh, when we first started talking, you know, he brought up that he had, uh, a son and I was a social worker working with kids. And I was like, I totally got this right. Like I, I know kids, I know what I'm doing. And <laughs> I was definitely wrong. <laughs> We all were. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea what I was, uh, taking on. Um, my stepson is now, you know, 20, almost 22 years old. He was 10 when I met him. So I've been there through him growing up. I was a full-time stepmom until he, um, moved out of the house. So when my husband and I got married, he, my stepson still lived with his mother. 
Um, and then in, um, when he hit high school, he decided to come live with us full time. Yeah. Um, so that was a whole nother chapter in being a stepmom yeah. too. And then, um, launching him out into the world and now he's out on his own. Um, which is a, another unique spin on being a step parent because now I'm an empty nester, you know, at, um, 37, which is kind of strange mm -hmm. and, um, you know, experiencing infertility and all of those things combined. It's kind of a, an interesting experience as a stepmom kind of throughout the, I guess you could say the life cycle of being a stepmom. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm a social worker. I work with veterans and, mm -hmm. um, have been a social worker for, oh gosh, like 15 years. Uh, so I've been doing this for a while. And as you mentioned, I write for Stepmom Magazine too, um, on the side, which I love doing. And I love connecting with other stepmoms. It's so fun. And I think we're a part of this kind of this club, you know, that maybe none of us expected mm -hmm. to be in. Like I didn't grow up like dreaming of becoming a stepmom. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, my life in the way that it came together, I mean, I can't imagine my life any other way. Um, but definitely lots of twists and turns along the way. So I love talking to other stepmoms because we can help each other navigate all yeah. of the crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just in your little, I mean, I want to talk about, um, so many of the things. So, um, first thing that comes to mind is the transition from, uh, I get, what was the custody schedule before you went full time? So we had him, um, every other weekend, kind of the standard, um, because we lived apart, a couple hours apart okay. from each other. Um, and then summers, most of the summer holiday breaks, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, there were some challenges there. Um, and just decided to come in and live with us full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was that transition like for you? Oh, that was a big change. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> Because I mean, I've all, you know, for the most part have gotten along with my stepson. We have a really great relationship, obviously not without struggle at times. Um, but going from like when he lived with his mom primarily and it'd be like, you come to us for fun time. Right. Hmm. And, you know, and there wasn't as much of that day-to-day -day parenting. I mean, we would talk on the phone or we would, you know, have interaction that way, but it wasn't like the, the day-to-day. -day. So then when he came to live with us full-time now, it was like, you're, you're going to have structure. You're going to do your homework. You're going to do all these things, George, you know, et cetera. It's like you, all of a sudden I go from being like fun Kelly to like, mm -hmm. okay, like now I'm running the show. <laughs> yeah. And so that really changed, I think the dynamics in some ways. Um, my husband's career also, like he is working a lot. And um, so I assumed a lot of responsibility. So that was really interesting for me because, you know, on like the hierarchy of parenting, like, let's be real. I mean, it's stepmom, you know, you're below, you know, there's, you know, mom and dad and, and then stepmom or whatever. And, but yet I was like primarily doing the parenting, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was getting him to school. I was dealing with the teachers. I was, you know, making sure he was doing his homework, you know, and my, my husband's an excellent father, but he was just, he just is very busy with his job. And so I just kind of took on a lot of the day-to-day 
mm-hmm. kind of tasks. And yeah. so, yeah, it definitely, there was a, a growing, you know, growing pains period of my stepson understanding, um, the roles and how things were going to be, but I mean, we found our way, but, um, I thought like his senior year of high school was going to kill me because he was, he, oh man, he had like senioritis and it was just dragging him through and just, you know, all the things that young adults go through. And, you know, there would be times where I'd be like, man, like you just put in so much and, you know, as a step parent, they're always not always is the, um, I don't want to say accolades, but like the attaboys or, the, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you don't get that, like necessarily that validation or that feedback all the time yeah. that you're doing a good job. It's a thankless job for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the parents get, I'm, I don't know. I mean, parenthood in general is pretty thankless, but then when you're a stepmom, it's almost like it's not, it's not even expected. Like no one even thinks about it. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I have to specifically ask my husband, like, Hey, one of my needs is to be appreciated. I need you to appreciate me and like validate all the things. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Cause it, it can become, um, overwhelming when, yeah, especially when you're doing everything. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I don't want to bash his mom or anything. That's not like my, I, I, that's not, I'm not going to go down that road, but I will tell you that I definitely was more, much more heavily involved in his life from the point he moved in with us, mm-hmm. even now as an adult. And, you know, that is a struggle as a, as a stepmom because it's still his mom. And I always respect that. But yet it's like, my gosh, like you just, as a step, you just give and give and give and give. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, that's not without challenge, you know, it's, no. um, I don't think people who, people who aren't in that capacity just can't understand how, like how much effort we give in that mm-hmm. situation. It's a, it's a different beast, I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah. Were there times where, um, you wanted to kind of just like step back and you needed a break or, you know, what we often call like disengaging, like were there times Mm -hmm. that that was necessary? Yeah, there were, there were times, um, I think where I would struggle and it was hard too, as a social worker, because, you know, we understand these dynamics in a different way as a social worker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it's your own life, it's totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need someone to give me my own advice basically, but I would see him at times struggling with his, with that relationship with his, his mom and in my, in my heart, all I ever wanted was for that to be good for him. Mm -hmm. Yet I would see him continue to go back and get hurt by certain Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And that was a struggle for me because I I do love him very much. And, you know, you see that hurt over and over again. And at some point, and then you're the, but then I'm like the bad guy. Cause I'm like, you have to be here. You have to to do this. You have to do that. And so here I am like busting my butt. And then he's like begging for Mm -hmm. what he needs over on that side. And there, there were times where I did have to step back a little bit and not that I wasn't there for him or I wasn't present, but it was like, 
I had to emotionally check out a little bit because Mm -hmm. it just was draining for me at times. And it's like I said, it's not to bash her. I mean, we all have our own things. Every relationship has its own dynamics. I know she loves her son. Um, and all I ever want is for them to have a good relationship. I mean, my number like a hundred percent, but it, it was hard at times because you feel like you're just like giving, 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 and then, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of like chopped liver sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You bring up a really, um, a really common, I guess, inner turmoil, right. Where we logically understand, you know, like what's going on and, you know, the different dynamics and, you know, kind of we as stepmoms have to have this understanding of where we are placed in the family at all times and choose to show up, step up, do the family things, you know, be the teammate to your partner, like do all that. While at the same time, like knowing that we're not going to get that praise that the mom gets. And, you know, especially if we aren't doing, if we're doing more than her, it doesn't matter because she's mom. She doesn't need to do all those things. And she's still going to, and it's so hard like to not get our feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get messages all the time. Like, what do I, and like, am I shitty? You know, like all this. And it's like, God, like your one part of your brain has to identify like, okay, this is normal. This is, you know, the loyalty that a child has to their mother. This is, um, you know, and then you have to kind of talk yourself in, into, you know, validating your own feelings and it's okay. If I'm, my feelings are hurt, it's okay that, you know, whatever, and then finding whatever you need to soothe yourself, whether it's, you know, therapy (laughs) or reaching out to another stepmom or whatever it is, but like that inner turmoil where you can, you understand why it is the way that it is, but then you're mad that you have to do that. But then you're also, you know, it's just, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I totally, yeah. I totally agree with you. It's, you know, I hate to admit, but like, you know, a little bit of jealousy in some ways, you know, because it's like, no matter what she does, like that, that's his mom as it should be. Like, I always, I always feel like I have to like, you know, like mm-hmm. qualify right. it somehow, which I know I don't, but it's like, you know, she, no matter what she would like, he's always, that's always going to be like his mom. Like it, there's that unconditional love, um, no matter what happens. And she's always going to be above me, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what I would do. And, and I know that that's his mom. I always say that it's like an inner, like an inner dialogue too. Like it's his Mm -hmm. mom, you know, but it's hard because, you know, I, like you said, you have to step up and show up right constantly, Mm -hmm. even when it's hard. And, and I do it because I love him and I love my husband and, and I love our family. And so Mm -hmm. I do that, but there were a lot of times where it was really painful or like, um, like mother's day. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's like, it's like the most awkward day ever always mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah because people don't know how to act like especially with me because I don't have any other children that like it's like people don't know like if you're really a mom it's like are you like I like helped raise this right. this child to now he's a man like a full man <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yep. but it you know and but it's always like he's gonna be spending the day with his mom mm-hmm. you know and that that that's the one day where I'm always like 
you know, I, I get in the feelings a little bit yeah. and then, then I like come out of it and I'm, I'm all right. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's real. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said that there are times that that's not hard for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think mothers, any holiday is just really hard for stepmoms, but yeah, um, I agree. mother's day specifically. So I know that in your articles that you write for the magazine and on your own platform and stuff, you talk about, um, being child free. I don't really like saying childless, you know, but that's my own thing. Um, and then, you know, infertility and, um, kind of your own journey with that. Uh, when you started your relationship with your husband, were you intending or hoping on having kids together or, um, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, absolutely. was always the hope. Um, so, but always understanding that it, it may not happen for us. I have, um, I have several conditions that make having a child difficult. I have endometriosis, adenomyosis, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, plus some other chronic health issues. Mm-hmm. So it's like the perfect storm mm-hmm. of, um, difficulty in, con- you know, conceiving and carrying a pregnancy. Um, and I knew, I mean, when I, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, I think I was like 27, 28. So not long after I met my husband, I'd been having issues for a while, but like a lot of women, I was poo-pooed by doctors for many years. Yeah. Um, finally, I met a doctor who was like, well, I think it's endometriosis. The only way that they diagnose that is with a, a surgery. They have to actually see it to, to diagnose it. Um, I was diagnosed with it. And then subsequent, I mean, I've had several surgeries and things. So all along we knew that it might not happen. Um, but we didn't really start making like an, I, we kind of in a way shelved it mm-hmm. because of, I was trying to raise my stepson and, um, paid a lot of attention to that. And we kind of shelved like actively trying. I mean, it wasn't like, it was more like, we're not, not trying, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were like actively like looking into like fertility treatments or things like that, um, for several years, because we, you know, we were just concentrating on raising him and doing all of that. And once he moved out, it was kind of like, okay, I think we really need to look at this. And then, um, like life just kept happening. Um, a lot of things have happened in the last couple of years and some more health issues. Um, almost a year ago, we're coming up on it in a few weeks, actually, my dad passed away mm-hmm. and we've just had a lot of things that have kind of like keep popping up, but we do have hopes to start fertility treatments. Um, probably in the near future, I am, you know, at an age where, you know, I'm at that like geriatric. geriatric. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like, it's like so funny. I'm like, I'm geriatric, but yeah. um, it's hard because I have these other health issues that like, they're like, you need to get that sorted first. And a lot of the things I have are stress related and like, what's more stressful than losing a parent yeah. in a pandemic, you know, it was, so I've just been all out of sorts, but we're trying to get those things, you know, in line so we can move forward with that. And I ha- I don't share, like, I talk about infertility in general, but I haven't really like gotten into like the nitty gritty of it. Cause it is very 
vulnerable yeah, and, and personal. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've always wanted to expand the family to answer your question, but mm-hmm. it's, um, it's always been a reality that we know it might not happen. I mean, like when I was first diagnosed, they wanted to do a hysterectomy mm. at that age. That's, so I've been, they've yeah. been telling me you need a hysterectomy for, you know, 10 years. Mm. Um, so I know like my timeline is limited. I probably, if I don't have a child within the next year or two, I'm sure that'll, you know, it'll be a hysterectomy and that'll, that'll be that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. like really hard when you're a stepmom because you know, that, like you said, the childless term, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not like childless. I mean, I have a child. He's a stepchild. Right. But like for all these years, I still don't know how to answer the question. What do people like? Is like, what do you have a child say? Well, I have a step, but you know, like it's always, or like yeah. at the doctor's office because they're looking to see if you had like a pregnancy, but you're like, but like, I mean, I do have a child, but like, I didn't mm-hmm. like birth him. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, navigating all that, all the health stuff and stuff in, in general is challenging, but then add that stepmom layer. And I feel like when you add a stepmom layer to anything, it's more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> um, For sure. and you know, like I talked to so many stepmoms who are just, I mean, I used to be that step. I mean, I have our daughter. Um, but like, I know those feelings and, and I know how like difficult it is to like be in that space where you are actively doing all the mom things and feeling so maternal and feeling so, you know, you're in your family and, you know, you're, you're going through the motions of any other motherhood, you know, like you're, you're worried about them. You're wiping faces, you're packing lunches, you're worried about their homework, you know, you're doing all that stuff, but then you don't get to claim mother's day. You don't get to claim, mm-hmm. um, you know, some, I mean, some stepmoms struggle, um, either internally or with what other people opinions are, but you know, even what their title is in their home, you know, are they stepmom if they're not married, are they mom, but they have a mom, you know, and it's like all these different things that you have to think about. And I know that so many stepmoms, um, and I used to, I used to be like this where I was like, these feelings will go away if I have a baby that's mine. And I would say, of all the feelings that I had before having my daughter, I would say only like two of the feelings have gone away. (laughs) (laughs) Like I still have those feelings. I still get jealous of the relationship that he has with his, my stepson has with his mom. I still go and do all of the mom things. And then he like rushes to her and, you know, she doesn't do half the amount of things that I do, you know, Mm -hmm. like, just like you were saying, like, um, I feel like my daughter, um, is very separate in my emotional connection and stuff. Um, but if anything, she's just distracted me (laughs) from all the things that used to really, really stress me out. Um, but yeah, I just, um, the, 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 the terms that we use and stuff can, um, you know, really 
be harmful too, I guess. I don't know. That's why I like child free. Um, but I wanted to read you a question that I got sent because I think it's applicable, um, especially now with the holidays and everything, um, and see if you can, uh, speak to it. So one thing I have to say, this particular stepmom, I love that she is acknowledging her feelings and is just like saying today I'm sad. So yeah, just writing because I'm sad today, scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and seeing everyone's beautiful babies and families on holidays with coordinated outfits and Christmas cards, just wanting and yearning for my own while raising someone else's and getting none of that. Here's to the stepmamas that are patiently waiting, patiently waiting for it to be their time, their baby, their love. Some days we deserve to be sad. Today can be one of those days. Mm. Well, I definitely, that one like got me like right there, you know, I, know. I mean, right. Like in the feels like I totally, I, I, I totally can empathize and relate to that. I mean, it's so true. I mean, like there, I, there'll be times you're showing, you know, baby announcements and this and that. And, and it's like, it's just like, it pull it like, there's just days where it's like, just rip your heart out and like jump on mm-hmm. it on the floor. Like it is, it's just so painful because like you said, you're, you know, you're doing all these maternal things and taking care of your stepchildren yet. Like you don't get that, that moment of raising them, you know, from being a baby, you don't get those moments. Like you can't ever get those because they're already gone. They already mm-hmm. happened before you got there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's very painful. Um, I think the holidays can be, um, even more so like she was referring to like seeing the matching, you know, the outfits and the cards and all these things. Mm-hmm. And like in my mind, because I was, you know, hoping, you know, like, and it, it this might sound silly, but it's like, I was thinking, well, if I, you know, cause well, while we were kind of looking at doing treatments before, and then we have had to shelf them because of my health issues, but I was like, well, if I get pregnant by this date on Christmas, I could tell my family. And I have these like mm-hmm. ideas I know. And it sounds like, I think if someone hasn't experienced infertility, they don't understand what that's like, but you like imagine what that would be to finally get that moment, mm-hmm. that moment that so many people take for granted to be able to have that that moment of excitement and those things that you long to experience. And I think, you know, we grieve that, like we grieve what isn't, we, we grieve what we have not been able to experience because we, you know, when you grow up, you think like someday I'll have a family and we do have a family, but we imagine that we would have a baby and we would watch them grow up and see them take their first steps and do all of these things. And we don't have that. And it's just painful seeing all these other people experience it. Or even like with my friends, you know, most of my friends, their children are, you know, school age at this point. Um, so it was very weird because I couldn't really relate to anybody because, you know, my child is a man now <laughs> and, you know, while they had like little babies and, you know, I was always just like, it's like you, like I'm ahead of people in some ways and behind them in others. And it's a very weird juxtaposition to be in Mm -hmm. Um, always. And it's very isolating, no matter how many people you try to connect with and, 
it's just, it's, it's isolating because we have our own lived experience and infertility is very painful and infertility as a stepmom has a whole different dynamic of complicated, weird feelings that surface sometimes on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. um, always being confronted with it because there's always, like you said, like what we call the stepmom or what people see your role as. Cause some people would recognize me and see like, wow, like you're, you're doing all the, like you are a mom. And some people are like, that's not a mom. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're constantly confronted with not having a child of your own. It's like Mm -hmm. in this constant barrage of like, hello, remember you're not a mom. Right. (laughs) It's just, it's constant and it's, um, it can be very heart wrenching. And like she said, it's okay to like, just have days where you're sad. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, most days we have to get up and we, you know, go to work or, you know, take the kids school, whatever you have to do in your day-to-day responsibilities. And we go through and we survive all of these feelings, but sometimes it's like, you just have to take up like a moment and just be sad Mm -hmm. and, and own that and, and appreciate that those feelings are, are valid and justified and, um, need to be felt because if you just bottle it, it, it comes out sideways as we all know. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate her comments and I, I hope so much for her that she does get her moment and in the, in between that she has the, the support and the, you know, the love that she needs to get through it and that she can give herself some grace through the, the hard times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to say about not scrolling through Instagram and Facebook. I mean, oh, I think social me- media, <laughs> I think social media sometimes. And here's, you know, I it's here's the thing I say with that too. Like I mean, that's the beauty of social media. We are in control of how much we consume. Absolutely. Everyone has their right to celebrate their happy moments right? Because everyone who is in waiting is looking forward to that announcement. Absolutely. So, you know, when we see these posts of, you know, you know, baby coming or, you know, whatever, um, like I think there's, if it causes you that pain to see those, um, be on social media less. Yeah. Yeah. And when you are on social media and you see those, I think it's important to kind of have, I guess in social work, we would call it like a crisis plan, (laughs) but (laughs) but you know, have kind of have a plan of how, how am I going to react to these? Because they can be very triggering. Um, but at the same time, those people who are posting those things, um, deserve that you know, they've been waiting for that too. And and they need that. They're they're wanting that space because in that in those moments, they're healing as well. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I have taken, I'm going to take social media breaks from time to time because it's for your own sanity, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, you know how to protect your heart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are days where like, and it's like weird because it comes, it always seems like it's like, you know, you're having like a bad day and you get on and it's like one after the other, after the other. And you're like, yeah. universe enough. I know <laughs> enough with this. And then mm-hmm. I'll just be like, that's it. I'm taking a social media break. And yeah. it isn't to say like, I think that's the misconception sometimes that people have about infertility is like that you like, like somehow we don't want other people to be happier. We're not celebrating other people's, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, joys and victories and wins. Like we are absolutely celebrating with you and happy for you. It's just that it hurts our hearts at Mm -hmm. the same time. It's a very, um, like dual kind of feeling. Like I, I will simultaneously feel over the moon happy for, for someone who is announcing their pregnancy while also feeling like my heart has been shattered to pieces. And so it's a self-preservation thing that sometimes you have to step back, but it's not to say that we don't want people to celebrate, right? Because if we have that moment, we want to celebrate too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just having that insight and that self-awareness to know like what you can tolerate and what you can't. And Mm -hmm. if there's times that you're more sensitive, like around the holidays, then maybe back it off a little bit and just spend time with your family or do something, watch a Hallmark movie. I don't know, you know, do something that's more chill and not as triggering, like you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so there was something that I, I wanted to kind of just that, um, the different feelings that come up like around the holidays. And I I think I just wanted to, um, gosh, what was it? (laughs) It was something that you had said. Um, I think, darn, I don't know. It's going to come back later. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, um, uh, okay. So, (laughs) Um, when your, so your stepson is now 22, he almost 22, yeah, almost 21. 22. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you had mentioned, you're kind of like that empty nester and also like possibly becoming more intentional and family mm-hmm. planning. <laughs> yep. Um, what is that like for you and your husband's, uh, relationship? Um, how have you guys kind of supported each other throughout this process? Yeah, like, that process, but you know, your experience. You know, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I mean, in some ways, like I think becoming an empty nester in a lot of ways has actually strengthened our relationship. I mean, we've always had a good relationship, but with, when he was, my stepson was here, I mean, so much was concentrated on him mm-hmm. that it was like that energy could be a little bit reallocated to us. And we got to like do more things together. And, um, I, you know, I think at first it was a little, the dynamic was a little weird at first because we were so used to him being around. So it did, you know, you kind of go through this, like a little bit of a, a shift, but then it was you know, I think it's been positive. Um, you know, there's some satisfaction in kind of launching them out into the world. I mean, while they still struggle and you worry about them and things like that, it's just a, it's a kind of a little bit of a load off, right? Because of that, that day-to-day stuff isn't happening. So you get more time in your day or more time together. Um, he has been very supportive through the whole, um, you know, infertility experience, but his experience is different than mine, right? Because he, he did get to have a baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I often remind him of that, you know, because he always says like, no matter what happens, like he's, he's happy with our life as it is, right? We have a good marriage, a good family, you know, we have good, good things happening in our lives and that, that, that this is enough for him, but he knows how much it means to me. So he supports me in that. But I think 
that if it comes to that point where it doesn't happen for us, it's not the same experience. Right. I, and I, I would think imagine that, there's more grief on your end. Absolutely. Not to say that it doesn't hurt him and that he, you know, sure. he, of course he wants that too. We want to have a child together and all of those things, but yeah, I have to remind him of that sometimes too. Like this is a different experience for you than it is for me mm-hmm. because, um, you had that, you had all those things, but it was also a very different dynamic. I think than it would be bring a child into the world together now. Right. Because he was very young, him and um, my stepson's mom were broken up by the time he was born. So like, I think it would be a very different experience for him, which I think would be great, you know, for him to experience that. But I, you know, I just, I think we're just living two different experiences and he's trying to support me the best that he can. Mm-hmm. But again, he doesn't know cause he's not me mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. you know, bless his heart. He really tries, but sometimes I'm just like, I just like, I'm crying. And he's like, if you know, like men, they always try to like, they're like Fix fixers. Yeah. 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 So he's like <laughs> trying to like fix it and rationalize it. And I'm like, I just want to be sad. Like, let me be yeah. sad, you know, yeah. or let me be mad or whatever mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> chosen emotion of the day. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's very, like I said, he's very supportive. I'm very, um, happy with that, but yeah, it's, it's totally different for him. It's Mm -hmm. he, he, he has, you know, he was there for all those, the first 10 years of his life and I wasn't, Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't get that. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I think it's just a lot of like, communication and working through those feelings together. And, um, you know, I, it's, I think it's been hard on him to even just with my health things, you know, like how many times has he had to watch them wheel me off to surgery and all of those things. That's hard, you know, cause I can tell you as like having seen, you know, loved ones, like when I'm not the patient, I would rather be the patient. Mm-hmm. It's so much mm-hmm. harder sometimes to watch your loved one go through things. So, I think him watching me go through all of this probably has been challenging for him in a different way too. So, you know, I can't necessarily understand everything that he's experiencing with this Mm -hmm. either, but so it's really just trying to communicate and stick together through it. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just not easy. There's just no way around it. Yeah. I, I, um, explaining the stepmom experience if you're not a stepmom is difficult in general but then I feel like we are presented with another challenge when we're trying to when we're trying to explain to our partners that we yearn for a baby I know many stepmoms run into the tension with their partner of well why aren't you just happy with the family we have or you know like I, you know, not wanting to start over and, and then all the feelings that our partners, because their experience is valid too, right? A hundred percent, no matter what it's their experience is valid too. And it's that, that, um, the process of being able to have conversations with your partner where you both can feel heard and validated, um, while also knowing that your partner's never going to understand exactly how you feel. Um, because like you said, they've gone through it already. They, they have that baby, they are, they have their children and for, you know, the stepmom to say, but I want my own to love. And then, I mean, I've, I've talked to so many stepmoms that are like, I talked to my partner about it and they're 
questioning the love that I have for my stepkids and that's not it. It's completely different. And, you know, we understand that, right. (laughs) But you know, it's, um, it gets really sticky and then it gets really sad when the topic becomes a source of, you know, contention between you and your partner when it, when you want it to be a happy thing, or you want it to be, you know, a romantic thing or a, mm-hmm. a thing that brings more intimacy between your partner, or you want your partner to be just as excited as you would be, or, you know, all the, all the different things, um, which I feel just adds again, another level of heaviness that stepmoms mm-hmm. have to carry. And I think that, sorry, not to enter. I just, I just gonna say that's totally, I just totally agree with you on that. Um, the starting over thing really rings true, especially at, at my age, you know, my husband's a few years older than me. And I think, um, it's like, he had, you know, my stepson when he was, I think I'm trying to think, was he like 19 or 20, you know? So, I mean, this is like how many years ago and now he's going to start over. And even I sometimes question it Mm -hmm. because like, like I told you that senior year, I thought was going to kill me. And you know, it's like, wow, now we're going to start all the way over. Like there are times where I, I even question it, even though how much I long for a baby and I long for that experience. There are times where I've gotten to this eight, you know, you get to a certain age and you're like, do I want to start over? Mm -hmm. And I know, I know that he has had those thoughts, but I think he just, it's like a, he's going to support me and what I, I need, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure in his heart of hearts, if he was really honest, I'm sure that some of that is like, man, Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, he's, he's like looking at like, how many years do I have towards retirement, (laughs) you know? And and now we're like looking at it. I mean, it's just a weird, it's, I mean, I know women are having children later in life. I mean, but it's, it's, uh, I just, that really sparked something for me when you said that, that starting over Mm -hmm. thing, because I, I'm sure that there's a lot of relationships where it's like, you know, maybe the husband has, he's, you know, he raised his family maybe with his ex or, you know, they're to a certain age and it's like, he doesn't want to start over again. You know, I, I can imagine that that probably comes up more often than not. And Mm -hmm. like the whole, aren't you happy with our family? You know? Cause like, he, like I told you before, he always says like, he's happy with our life as it is. And, you know, when I'm sad, he's like, yeah, but you know, we have, you know, we have our family and, you know, you know, all the good things and stuff. And it's like, I get that, but I still have this like gaping hole in my heart mm-hmm. that I think he, he just doesn't, he can't possibly understand. Cause he's not me mm-hmm. just like, I can't understand exactly his his Mm -hmm. perception, but I'm sure that happens a lot in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And and the conversation is so difficult too, because you are essentially, um, weighing, weighing the possibility of amendment, because if the partner says, no, I don't want to have a baby, Mm. the stem mom is, you know, could be resentful of that decision or, you know, grieving that, you know, all that stuff. And that impacts so much. And then there's the possibility of, okay, new baby happens. Then the partner is possibly, you know, resentful. And I'm speaking from personal experience in this and that, I mean, we have our daughter, we are talking about 
you know, do we have another baby? And my daughter's four, but it still feels like starting over. Cause if she can like walk and talk and like feed herself and go to the bathroom, like she's self-sufficient. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if we like start over, um, yeah. but you know, it's, it's that it's really, really difficult. And I get, I get questions all the time about, you know, how do I start to have this conversation with my partner? How do I, you know, let them know that this is really, and it's like, man, it's, deciding to bring life into the world is not a light subject. No, it's, it's not. not. (laughs) Well, and it's when you're looking at like infertility too, like I think, you know, you have to like plan so much. And if you're going Uh to do treatments and there's like, it's, it's like talking about how I said, I don't do math before. I mean, talk about math. I mean, everything is like down to the hour when you, you know, you do, you know, whether it's an injection or it's, you know, your medicine or timed intercourse or whatever it is. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like all these other people, they just get to like, I'm so like, so people just get to like have a moment with their spouse and they're romantic and all we conceived and it's all great. And it's like, you know, it's just a totally different, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're having to make these like very specific choices where it kind of just like happens for other people, you know? And it's like, you know, when you're going through infertility or going through treatments or whatever, like it, it takes a lot of that, like romance and excitement out of all of it, because it's just like very scientific Scientific. and calculated and, Mm -hmm. and feels sometimes you feel like you're playing God. Like it just, it's a, it's a strange thing. If you haven't gone through it or haven't had to track your cycle or do those things, it's like, it's just a very different experience than for the people who like, that's like my biggest, like, for some reason irks me when people are like, we weren't even trying. And like, as I know yeah. I should be, you know, happy for them, but sometimes right. it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice for you. Um, right. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, gosh, it's like you say stuff and then I'm like, oh, um, mm, I don't remember. It's gone again. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> always good. Um, yeah. So as far as, um, I want to talk a little bit more about that, the clinician to clinician, I guess, um, the process of that grief, um, for those that are, you know, at that stage where maybe they're coming to the point where maybe it may not happen or just the grief of the life they won't have. Um, I think it's in some points, all stepmoms, um, are grieving that family that they thought they would have when they were, you know, mm-hmm. however young, um, and didn't like the complications that this life brings all the different things that you have to think about. Um, even when it's supposed to be something really happy, like, you know, the, the girl who, um, sent that question, uh, the, the Christmas PJs, um, or the, the Christmas cards, simple things like that. You have all this like stepmom metacognition in your head when these things are happening, like you can do the Christmas jammies, like, like our family has been doing them even before we had our daughter, like you can do the Christmas jammies, you can do the holiday cards. 
Um, but there's always that, like that feeling of like, for me, it was, okay, do I pose with my stepson? Like, do we, do we pose together? Do we pose as a big family? Like who's sitting next to who, or, you know, um, like, is it not going to be as fulfilling if it's our family or, you know, is the mom going to get mad or what's he going to say about this or, you know, like all this, mm-hmm. all the different stuff. Right. And I mean, that happens for me even now, like I said, with or without our daughter, these feelings still remain. Um, you know, now it's when we get pictures taken, it's, you know, I don't want my stepson to feel left out. So like I get pictures with me, with him, and then my husband's holding our daughter or, you know, whatever. Um, but you have to like, think about so much and then there's that sadness of, I like, don't want to have to think about all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't choose this life, I wouldn't have to. And, you know, other families don't have to think about this. And here I am. And no one understands that I think about this. Not sometimes not even my partner understands that I'm constantly carrying this emotional labor (laughs) of all the stuff. And that right there, I, I think, I mean, I personally would label that as grief. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my segue into that, but yeah, um, yeah. as far as how to manage that, navigate that, communicate that to our partner, especially moving into the holidays when everything is just amplified because of absolutely stuff. Yeah. And I would, I definitely would call it grief. And it's interesting because now that I've I mean, I've, I've grieved things before, like I've lost other loved ones, but like going through the grief of losing my father, like that's really helped my understanding of grief grow. And like, I would definitely say that the experience of infertility or the experience of being a stepmom And like you said, even just grieving, like the life that you thought you would have, like that is absolutely grief. Um, because it's, it's, uh, you know, a sadness over what isn't or what will never be or what you thought things would look like for your life. And it, it very much is in line with, with the loss of a loved one in a different way. You know, obviously they're not the same thing, but there's some parallels. Um, and all of those things are amplified, like you said, around the holidays, because it's, there's so much expectations and hopes of what it's going to look like, right? Because we have these ideas of what the holidays should look like, or maybe we're nostalgic for like, you know, we had certain things growing up and we want to give that, we want to have a family like that now. And it just doesn't look like that because we have to like get our stepkid to their parent by a certain time, or they're going to be mad because they're not going to make it to Christmas mass or whatever it is. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all these dynamics where it was like, when I was growing up, Christmas just like what is what it was. And it was family. And it was, it was, I think maybe easier. Maybe I didn't know because I wasn't, you know, a parent. So maybe there were complications that I wasn't aware of. But um, you do, you just grieve the life that you thought you would have. And even like I was telling one of my friends, this is an interesting twist on it, but like with infertility, but like now with 
having lost my dad, like there's this part of me that it's like almost an apprehension of moving forward with some of the fertility treatments, because like, I can't imagine having a child without him here, Mm. you know, like, like talk about a twisted grief thing. Like that, that is like a very, you know, like just very complicated of twists, right? But just very complicated dynamics of grief. It's like the grief of like, I always imagine what it would be like to have a baby and have my dad be a grandpa to that baby. And you grieve that because that's what I always imagined because I had like the best grandpas growing up, you know, I had that relationship. And so I always imagined that. And like, my child's not going to have that if I have a child, you know? And so you just, you grieve that you just, and everywhere you turn, it's like, I see someone like with their, you know, with their parents or whatever, and their, you know, parents being grandmas and grandpas and you just, you know, it's just very painful, especially around the holidays. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a very, um, complex dynamic, any way you slice it mm-hmm. when it comes to being a stepmom, you know, experiencing infertility, if you had the loss of a loved one and you could talk to someone who lost a loved one 15 years ago, and they'll tell you that the holidays are hard Absolutely, because it's just, I think we have, there's so much expectations around the holidays. And there's also that nostalgia of what mm-hmm. our, you know, maybe what we experienced growing up and then this grief over, like, I'm never going to have that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's never going to look like that. Um, you know, my dad and my stepson were very close. So I did get to see some of that, you know, that, and I got to see him as a grandpa to my stepson, like, they were super tight. And so that's, you know, he was, my parents took him in from day one, like this is our grandchild, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, my family extended family, everybody sees him as part of the family, which is, is great. But yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said that it isn't weird to think about moving forward with that part of my life Mm -hmm. without him, without my dad physically being here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's just my dynamic, right? So everybody brings different things to the table, whether it be, you know, the infertility or, or maybe it's that their grandma's not around or that their partner's not as supportive. And it's like, you can grieve just about anything really grief is just like that experience of whether it's loss or or the feeling of longing for what it like is not or what could be, you know, it's like, it's like this, just this hollowness or emptiness because you just long for something that you can't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I don't know where the quote is, um, or who said it, but it, it essentially says that grief is, um, the absence of where to put your love. Mm-hmm. And that you have this love inside of you and it's, it has nowhere to go. And that's mm-hmm. the sadness in it, whether it's the love that you have for that family you thought you'd have, or the love that you have for the baby you thought you'd have, or the love, you know, like, it's just, Absolutely. It, it, you have this love and it doesn't have anywhere to go. And so it just sits in you. Um, and oh, that just yeah. really sticks with me in, in, in the importance of, especially, I mean, in humans in general, like regardless of who you are, stem mom or not labeling what you are feeling 
is step one. Like <laughs> labeling it, identifying it for what it is, sitting with it, leaning into it, feeling uncomfortable, processing through that, because that is the, the first step in your power, right? Like you cannot move through those feelings without first knowing what they are. So mm -hmm. I talked to so many, some moms who are like, oh my God, yeah, it's grief. Like that's what it is. And it's, yeah, yes. Use that, use that, feel it and I'll label it for what it is. Use it to express it to your partner use it to, you know, kind of, you know, find peace with these, the, with the feelings that you have and that it's okay to grieve, um, the life that you have and you can, and you can hold at the same time grieving what you don't have, but loving the life that you do have. Absolutely. And I think that's so hard for a lot of stepmoms to, um, sit with because it's uncomfortable. And so we want to change it and it's okay. If I'm grieving this way, this, I made a bad decision. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't. And it's like, maybe, or, <laughs> you know, this is the life that you chose because you met a person that's your person. And there's this really hard stuff that comes with it, but, you know, finding the supports and, you know, all that kind of stuff it's still worth it for you. You can feel all that and still hold that grief. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just think we run into a problem when we dismiss our feelings and, and kind of push them aside. And, and that's where, you know, you run into, um, really unhealthy, you know, states of mind or, or, or you know, um, emotions. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's not, it's not one or the other, you know, you, you, you can't, it, I think people think like, if you, like you said, like, if you're grieving, you can't be joyous. And like, I, I always say that like life is like magic and tragic at the same time. Right. Like, it's like, I can simultaneously have joy in my heart, but also sorrow, you know, you can hold both of those feelings, but giving yourself that space and that permission to, like you said, to identify it. And that's like the first step, like you said, in, in dealing with it. And, and the reality is, you know, we can't always fix it, right? We can't, you, you can't make your grief go away, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's part of the hard part about grief, right? Is because whenever we feel uncomfortable feelings, we want to do something to resolve them. Mm -hmm. We want to do something to fix them or make them better. And so like, in a lot of things that happen in life, right. You know, you figure out the situation, there's a solution, whatever, or you cry or you fight, you get it out and it's over and done with. But like with grief, it's like, you're in a long-term relationship with grief. It's not yeah. something yeah. that just goes away. Right. You and know, it's not linear, you know, like, Oh, a hundred percent. I think there's these like weird societal expectations of how grief is supposed to look and you're supposed to move through these stages. And it's like, mm -hmm. I can move through the stages in like an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm back to anger and then I'm back to, you know, you know? yeah. So, yeah. And, and that, that goes for the loss of my father that goes for infertility that goes for even like dealing with chronic illness. Right. Because like, I didn't think this is what my life was going to look like. Like I, sometimes I feel like an old lady, you know, and it, so it's just, mm -hmm you know, I hold, I hold the space for both my happy and my sad, you know, my joy and my sorrow, you know, all of it can be simultaneously existing, right? Because we're not these like robots, 
that just like walk through our days and, you know, you're, you're human, you're complex, you have emotions. Mm -hmm. We all have our own lived experiences, our traumas, our backgrounds, like you, you, it's imperative that you give yourself that space to feel what you need to feel and understand that it, it can be both those things. It can be all inclusive. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's this like misunderstanding that like, if you are grieving something that you're not thankful, mm-hmm. like, oh, but you should be thankful for what you yeah. have. That toxic like, positivity that yes, I, I don't like. Toxic positivity. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like the, the amount of like platitudes and things I got after my dad passed away. I mean, Mm. my gosh, like some of the things people would say, and I know all well-intentioned, but people say the same thing with infertility too. Like, well, at least you have your stepson. Oh yeah. Oh God. At least like, (laughs) yeah, I got that. So I've gotten that so many times. Well, at least you have your stepson. I'm angry for you. Yeah. So dismissive so dismissive and it and it and it cheapens my relationship with him too yes like somehow he's a consolation prize or something like Mm -hmm. he is not he is every bit a part of my life he is you know I love him we have a very important relationship he holds a very important role in my life I he isn't a consolation prize because I can't have my own baby like that is not how that works right they are two separate things. Oh yeah. Super dismissive or, you know, the same things of like with my dad, like, well, you you should be happy now. He's not in pain. And, and aren't Mm. you, you know, don't you feel this or don't you feel that? Aren't you relieved? Uh, Like, no, I want my dad here. Like, (laughs) you know, buzz off. Like, and I know people say it with the best of intentions. People do, but people, you have to think. And I, so that's why I talk about grief really openly because I think grief is something that people like hide and bury away and don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And like, we all grieve whether like, whether it's any of the situations we talked about, but in general, right. We're all going to lose loved ones. We're all going to have pain and sorrow. So like, let's be open and talk about, Mm -hmm. talk about it and understand how to support one another Because like, don't say, don't be the person that says something dismissive to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, just be present with people and listen and you don't have to make it better, but that's everybody's in like, everybody like yeah. wants to like, oh, I'm just going to fix it and tie it up with a bow yeah. because grief is untidy and it's uncomfortable and it's messy and people don't yeah. want to deal with it. And it's like, no, like, let's just be real and be messy together because we all yeah. grieve something. I don't think there's anybody out there who isn't grieving something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think people's response, like you said, people's responses to grief is, is their own projection, their own discomfort mm-hmm. in, in, you know, they don't know what to say or that, you know, and right. I just, I mean, I think our culture is shifting, um, a bit, and recognizing that toxic positivity and recognizing, the need for human connection in, in that sorrow piece and not just shifting it to be fixable or perfectly tidy where, you know, uh, you know, I, I can say to someone instead of, Oh, well, you know, it's like, I'm here for you. You know, I'm sitting with you in this sadness, Mm -hmm. like that right there, like can be the most healing thing, more healing than someone trying to, Oh, well, you, you know, silver lining or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my last thing on, on the grief thing is, uh, to just be gentle with yourself Mm. Um, and to not doubt why 
you're feeling a certain way or to not question it. Um, you know, I personally experienced experience this and I get messages from stepmoms who are like, I thought I was over this. I don't know why this is bugging me again. Like this, you know, I, I thought that I moved past this or, and I feel that way too, where, you know, I thought I was over the fact that my husband had a past with someone awful <laughs> and <laughs> has, you know, I thought I have kind of like moved through, you know, being upset that I'm not the first or being upset that I'm not, you know, all that stuff that most, you know, a lot of stepmoms feel that shit still creeps up on me sometimes. Oh, absolutely. You know, he, my husband will say a memory of, you know, something from when my stepson was super little and I wasn't part of that. Or I go to my in-laws and there's a photo of my stepson. And I know that bio mom was cropped out of the photo, which I'm glad she's <laughs> cropped out. Happy about that. But I'm just like, Ugh. I'm like, yeah. God, why does it still bug me? Obviously I feel mm. secure. And I, you know, I do all this self-talk and stuff, but to know that it's okay. If you get sprung back, it doesn't mean that you haven't grown. It doesn't mean that you're not healing. It doesn't mean, mm-hmm. you know, that you're a shit stepmom or, you know, whatever. Right. It's just, Oh, okay. There's still some work there that needs to be done. Um, noticing it. All right. What do I need? You know, and, and mm-hmm. working through that again, just not pushing your feelings aside and not, I mean, we don't want other people putting toxic positivity on us, but we also don't want that to be our inner dialogue as well. Right. Where we're, where we're like, Oh, well, you should just be happy because you know, like, no, if you're not happy, acknowledge that you're not happy. Right. Right. And why? And what's driving that and what's behind it or what, like, what is it about that today that, why is that bothering me today? Like, what is going on with me? What do I need? What do I need for myself? What do I need for my partner? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm Mm -hmm. needing at this, at this point? Because like you said, it's not linear, you know, and even though, you know, you've grown a lot through all of the, you know, all of the experience of being a stepmom, like, it can like the one little thing can just like catapult you back. Oh yeah. What it feels like to the beginning and how it felt, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you like just acknowledging it and sitting with it. I think as a society, we're just like super uncomfortable sitting with uncomfortable feelings. Like mm-hmm. it, people avoid it like the plague. I mean, that's why people, you know, are, you know, I think a lot of times people turn to unhealthy things like you know, whether it's, you know, alcohol or it's food or whatever it is that people use to comfort themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, people turn to unhealthy things because it's like, we want to bury whatever uncomfortable feeling we have going on right now because it feels weird. I don't like it. And I'm just going to, you know, like you said, give myself, you know, those platitudes, like I should just be happy or, you know, silver lining, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, allowing yourself that grace and that space to feel what you need to feel and like just taking a step back and recognizing that this is what I'm feeling right now and it's it's normal and it's healthy and like I wish that I had I didn't really have stepmom connections early on in my stepmom journey and I so wish I had that because it would have made it a lot easier because in the beginning I was like what's wrong with me like yeah. I like why am I feeling all these things and there are all these bubble up emotions and jealousy and this and that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just that, you know, things like, like this podcast and allowing people to understand that what they're experiencing is 
you know, not only normal, but healthy. And like, how do we work through it? You know, how do we get through that productively and honor ourselves in the space that we're in at that moment? So, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think, uh, if you're not asking yourself, you need to be asking yourself a lot of questions when you're a stepmom. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be interviewing yourself all the time. Like yeah. <laughs> introspection. Uh, why am I feeling like this? Why, what, what, what do I need right now? Like it just constantly mm-hmm. asking yourself those questions because the more you understand, I mean, it's a domino effect. The more you understand why you feel the way that you feel and what you need to feel, you know, all the things um, you're able to not only soothe yourself, but be able to communicate it to your partner so they can guide you through this journey too. Um, and be able to express things differently with your family and friends. So they understand you and, um, yeah, just a lot of asking yourself a really, really hard questions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for this lovely conversation. Um, I feel yeah, like there absolutely. were a lot of, a lot of great nuggets in here. Um, where can people find you to connect with you? Um, ask you questions, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram and it's Kel Palms, (laughs) I really should have a better name. I know, but it's, it's, I've had it forever and I can't let it go. Uh, so it's K E L P A L M S Kel Palms. Um, on Instagram, I'm on there, um, a lot. I do have a blog, um, sunshine and heavy. Oh my gosh. I can't talk sunshine and heavy weather.com. Um, that's kind of that dichotomy, you know, we talked about. So just to give you a little background on that, my dad called me sunshine. That was my nickname. And so it was always about finding sunshine through difficult times. And I've had this blog for a while and it's, I haven't written in it, um, but I am kind of getting her up and running again. So they can definitely come there because there'll be more to come. But as of right now, Instagram is probably the best place to find me if people want to connect. And I really encourage people to do so because I love connecting with other stepmoms. Um, so yeah, come find me there and let's chat. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put all your information in the show notes so people can, can come your way. Absolutely. That would be great. Well, Kelly, thank you so much again. Um, I'd love to continue to connect with you. Um, everyone, I hope you enjoyed as always be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.